Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on the Fat Burning Man Show, where we talk about real food and real results. Can you improve your longevity, health, and overall well-being just through lifestyle factors alone? Or are we doomed to the fate brought on by our family history and genetics? To help us find out, today we're here with Dr. Stephen Gundry, a best-selling author and former cardiac surgeon who put himself out of business and is now known as, I love this, No More Mr. Knife Guy. <laughs> In 2002, Dr. Gundry founded the Center for Restorative Medicine based in Palm Springs, California, where he teaches patients how to live healthier lives through diet and lifestyle choices with the ultimate vision of helping people avoid the kinds of surgeries that he performed for over three decades. And on today's show, we're chatting about improving longevity, elimination diets, what's the deal with peanuts and cashews, the importance of vitamin D, the benefits of snake oil, and much more. But before we get there, here's a note that came in from Frida. She says, Hi, Abel. I have to let you know that your program and the book are amazing. The book is really well-written and very newbie-centric. I found most of the questions answered just as I was starting to form them. I've already been dieting, in air quotes, for the past six months and have managed to lose 35 pounds, but I am very dissatisfied with centering my life on counting calories. I went paleo long ago when I just thought of it as the way that I eat when I'm seriously working out, but ultimately drifted away from it because eventually it became too boring. <laughs> from my preliminary examination of the wild diet and all the really creative recipes it includes, plus its wisdom with respect to working out, I'm confident that it ain't boring. I'm going to be 66 next month it may take me a while to lose the rest of my load. I'm 5'5 and want to weigh 150, but I'll definitely get there. And I feel confident that I will have a great assist from the wild diet. So thank you. I think the best is yet to come. Best wishes, Frida. Frida, thank you so much for writing in. And I agree with you. The best is yet to come. And I, I did my best to make... Uh, that book in particular, very newbie-centric, as you mentioned. So if there's someone around you who you appreciate and you think might be receptive to opening a book like this or, or trying a couple of the recipes with real food, it's a great way of getting people into this healthier lifestyle and, and health nut way of life because we need to stick together and we need to be the weird ones. And if you just follow the crowd, they're going straight off a cliff right now. So good on you, <laughs> Frida, for making it happen. Now, when you're talking about the wild diet, that was one thing that we really wanted to, to bake into it, so to speak, is making sure that we could keep our favorite foods going. So we don't have to give up things like homemade bacon cheeseburgers, grass-fed steak, chicken parmesan, chicken enchiladas, cheesecake, uh, chocolate, cookies, you know, all these different things. There are ways of making them with real food. So we do our best to make it creative and fun for you folks. If you're ever looking for free recipes as well, make sure to check out fatburningman.com. Just go to the recipes tab up front. I've been running that website for over 10 years now. And uh, boy, we have a lot of resources there for you, including full write-up transcripts of over 300 episodes of these shows without outside advertising, without you know sponsored posts interrupting your feed as you scroll down or anything. You can just Go here and get it. this information straight from the source. So anytime you want to, please visit fatburningman.com. Make sure that you're also signed up for the newsletter because we have a whole bunch of massive giveaways coming up. And uh, they're exclusively accessed oftentimes through our newsletter. So go to fatburningman.com. 
sign up for the newsletter, and who knows, you might be getting some free future greens or other goodies from Wild Superfoods, one of our other projects as well. And if you need more help or motivation, we can help you reach your goals in the Fat Burning Tribe, where we have meal plans, quick start videos, a recipe library, and tons more to make burning fat fun and easy. No more calorie counting or gloom required. Right now, you can actually try the Fat Burning Tribe for free for seven days. Just head on over to fatburningtribe.com right now to get the deal. Cancel anytime and keep all of your tribe downloads as a thank you for giving it a try. Again, from any device, just head on over to fatburningtribe.com. Right now to get ridiculously tasty recipes, hundreds and hundreds of them, meal plans, Q&A videos, and tons more. We'll see you there. All right, on to the show with Dr. Stephen Gundry. Now, I have to say this happens from time to time, especially when you're dealing with with super busy people like physicians who are also authors. Unfortunately, Dr. Gundry's internet connection wasn't that great for this interview, but uh, my editor, Ian, does an excellent job. Thank you, Ian, for cleaning it up. So you might notice some connection issues, but but we went over it with my team, and we still think it's very worth releasing it to you, but I just thought I'd apologize in advance. I'm sorry the connection wasn't better. We always do the best we can. Um, easier said than done. But I think there's still a lot to learn from this episode. We're going to be chatting about how to improve longevity, elimination diets, and why they work, how physicians can be detectives, what to do about nightshades, the importance of vitamin D, and a whole lot more. All right, let's go hang out with Dr. Gundry. All right, folks, Dr. Stephen Gundry is an award-winning cardiologist, best-selling author, and inventor. He's also known as No More Mr. Knife Guy. Dr. Gundry, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on the program. So we were just discussing that you're actually one of the only nutritionists who lives at least next door to a blue zone. Yeah, I've actually, most of my career, I spent uh, as a professor at Loma Linda University, which is in Loma Linda, California, the only blue zone in America, in North America or South America for that matter. So uh, I talk about blue zones and what unites them and what's actually very different about all those communities. Yeah, and uh, well, you can, especially when you travel around the world a little bit, you can see that that humans age in dramatically different ways. Um, some people in their 20s and 30s are hobbling around. Other people in their 90s are, are scrambling up cliffs, especially in other countries. So um, let's just start generally with how do these lifestyle factors actually play into our health, our longevity, and well-being? Yeah, that's a, that's a great place to start a new book, there was a study that was published in Nature late last year that looked at factors in longevity and in disease processes. And most of us are that our family history, our genetics are going to determine most of our fate. But this paper, looking at humans, showed that genetics, actually our human genetics, have very little to do with our fate, probably only 6% of what's going to happen to us uh, is from our family history, from our genetics. And the environmental factors and the food we eat, and believe it or not, our gut microbiome is going to determine most everything that's going to happen to us. In fact, I reference a twin study taking identical twins who uh, adopted into different families. And fate of these identical twins 
had almost nothing to do with their genetics, but with the family that they were raised with. Hmm. In fact, what's interesting is we, if you, when I take a family history now, what I'm actually finding out is, number one, if you lived with your parents and you ate what your parents ate and one or more of your parents got diabetes or heart disease or cancer, then you actually inherited their eating habits hmm. and you actually inherited their gut microbiome. And it's those factors that actually drove you, you getting diabetes or heart disease or cancer rather than the genes your parents gave you. Very interesting. So when people say, you know, they blame it on the genes, whatever it is, that's just a tiny, tiny, tiny little piece of it. It's not really an excuse that we can use anymore. Yeah, and it's actually... Not only is it a lousy excuse, but it's actually very empowering mm -hmm. to realize that your fate is not the fate of you know your parents or your siblings, that you can actually take steps to correct your fate uh, really at any step along the line. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's part of the longevity paradox. You know, mm -hmm. when, we, when we look at getting old, it doesn't look very good. Um, we all want to live a long time but then when we look down the road and like you say you look at folks and go eh, you know i don't want to end up in a nursing home or you know i don't want to have both of my hips and knees replaced and i don't want to get sliced open by dr gundry and do bypass surgery that yeah. just doesn't look very good die young quickly at a ripe old age i, I really like that's, that <laughs> yeah that that's exactly right and of these super successful agers, and I, I profile a lot of them in the book, including uh, the woman who was a real uh, mentor to me in a lot of ways, Edith Murray. Her, her picture is right inside the cover of the book. Uh, that picture of her and me with the Plant Paradox book in her hands was taken when she was 105 and a half years of age. Oh my gosh. And uh, when people see that picture, that hair is actually her head of hair. It's this gorgeous, you know, bushy mop that everybody thought was a wig, but I can assure you it was not a wig. <laughs> uh, but Edith in that picture was actually in two-inch heels. Um, when I met her in her early 90s, I actually thought she was 65 uh, when I first met her. Right. And she was actually in three-inch heels in her <laughs> early 90s. And she had been influenced by one of the great nutritionists in this country, Gaylord Hauser. And if, if people haven't heard of Gaylord Hauser, you do need to, to Google him. Um, he, was, uh, he was actually ran all the Elizabeth Arden fat farms uh, around mm. the United States. And he had clinics uh, throughout Europe, in Zurich, in Paris. Uh, in Los Angeles. He had a clinic actually here in Palm Springs. And uh, he met Edith, or she heard him speak when she was 20 years of age. And he basically said, go home, throw all white foods out of your pantry, mm -hmm. and never eat a white food again. And she actually believed him. And she was married two husbands, buried both of them. Her second husband was a physician 
who told her her way of eating was idiotic, and of course uh, he's long dead. And Edith, Edith made it just shy of her 106th birthday, and like you just mentioned, she went to sleep, and that was it. And what you know, what that's what I think we all want. Yeah, and one thing that I love about that story, because I think you mentioned it even in one of your books 10 years ago, right? Yeah, she was the 95-year-old. I, I, I mention her every book, yep. Is, is that uh, she has been following basically good advice that went against what, what physicians and what conventional wisdom uh, has been telling us. But she did that for decades and just stubbornly stuck with it because it was working or, or whatever her reasons were. What were her reasons, actually? Well, I think you know she was you know she was profoundly affected by Gaylord Hauser, and she had every book that he ever wrote, and she she would give me his books, and this was early in you know my transition from being uh, you know a world famous heart surgeon to to being a, a nutritionist who you know tries to not operate on people, and it was when I started reading his books, I, I went, oh my gosh, you know, it's like, I wrote this book. It's like, you know, how did he know all this stuff? Because uh, we didn't know about the microbiome. You know, we didn't really know uh, scientifically how, for instance, uh, what happens in our gut impacts really everything. Mm -hmm. in, in fact, you know, I, I try to remind people that Hippocrates, um, uh, 2,500 years ago said all disease begins in the gut. And I mean, how prescient is that? Is like, how, how'd this guy know this? Uh, <laughs> Must have been a time traveler. Yeah, because I mean, we've only sequenced the human microbiome, what, five years now. So it's like this guy knew this a long time ago. And people like Gaylord Hauser knew this. Inter interestingly enough, Gaylord Hauser, uh, cured himself of tuberculosis of the hip by changing his diet. Uh, he actually went to Switzerland and learned how to eat. He was an American and returned. Um, he got into trouble with the AMA, as so many people do, promoting himself as a doctor. Now, he was uh, of any sort, but he was probably one of the greatest doctors of nutrition that we've had. Uh, he did pretty well for himself. And one of the things that it seems like uh, these folks have in common, whether you're looking back 2,500 years or, or uh, someone like you now, is instead of seeing the human body as a collection of parts that we can kind of tinker with, it's much more we're looking, we're looking at a system. There are a lot of things that make a car go forward, and it's not just the engine, right? And so if we we use that with a human body. I'd be interested in, in, in hearing you talk about that a little bit just because you did work specifically or, or do work specifically on the heart, but it's not just the heart that's making us alive, right? Yeah, exactly right. You know, we're unfortunately uh, almost to this day, although we're beginning to see a shift in medical school curriculum, We've, you know, we've had divisions. There's, uh, you know, there's there's cardiology, there's gastroenterology, there's hepatology, there's oncology, and we've all kind of lived in our our little worlds. And we've, you know, we've been taught that, you know, the heart really has nothing in common with, say, the liver, um, or the heart 
has nothing in common with the brain and we're going to study one thing. I'll, I'll give you a, a really interesting example. Years ago at Loma Linda University, uh, I was developing beating heart surgery where we would work on the heart while it was still beating. And that's like that old old joke of the car mechanic and the surgeon and, and the car mechanic says, well, you know, we both work on engines. And he says, yeah, but how much, how often do you work on the engine while it's running? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were working on beating heart surgery and we noticed um, that we, we would have a little catheter in the radial artery to me measure blood pressure. And we noticed that this artery would go into spasm. And we also noticed that uh, the blood sugars would, would go up when we were doing this sort of surgery. We got such a pain in the neck, we'd put a bigger catheter in the femoral artery to measure things. And one day I'm walking down the hall with a neurosurgeon colleague, and I'm saying, you know, this is really interesting. Blood sugar goes up during these operations, and the artery goes into spasm. And he says, oh, yeah, that's hypoconstriction. And I look at him and go, huh? And he says, oh, we use that in brain surgery all the time. We actually give them huge boluses of glucose and their blood sugar goes up and the arteries in their brains go into spasm. So we don't, you know, we can actually work on the brain. And I said, well, you know, why don't we know about this? He said, well, because you're not brain surgeons. You don't need to do that. Yeah. But the point is, is actually, you know, well taken. For instance, uh, because of my interest in heart disease, I was very gene that a lot of people know about now uh, that uh, is the ApoE4 gene, the quote Alzheimer's gene. Yeah. And uh, about a third of us carry one or both of the mutations, the, the four uh, mutation. So that's a large percentage of the population. And this gene with Alzheimer's, but it also correlates with developing coronary artery disease. So I got initially very interested in this gene because so many of my heart disease patients had this gene. And so I, you know, worked on a diet that would mitigate the effects of having this gene. And it wasn't until Years later that I was introduced to Dr. Dale Bredesen, who wrote The End of Alzheimer's, and who's a neurologist and who's now become a close friend, and we were introduced in a meeting. And uh, I had studied his work because his work was on the effect of the ApoE4 gene on the brain. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we both, you know, say hi, and we both simultaneously says, oh, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. Right. And... Uh, Really? And he says, oh, yeah, you know, you actually have the best diet for the treatment of ApoE4, and I actually use your diet in all my patients. And I said, oh, you know, you're the world expert on how the ApoE4 gene works, and, you know, I read all your stuff. And I think that's what we're beginning to realize is that all of these areas are interconnected, and we are, you know, a unifying organism. And I think what's exciting about the longevity paradox, not to beat a dead horse, what we should be really focusing on is this incredible trop 
us that is our microbiome that lives you know, in us, that lives on us, that's even in the air around us. We actually carry a cloud of bacteria around us. And uh, we actually, as I mentioned in the book, may select our mating partners by exchanging the bacteria in our mouths and the bacteria actually decide whether you and I are each other's microbiome. And it gets wow. kind of doo-doo-doo-doo, but uh, it's, it's, it's probably true. Well, we think that we're driving here. We think that our consciousness is in full control, and that's why uh, <laughs> that's one of the reasons, anyway, it can be so alarming when people take on a, a new diet, say, with little understanding of how it actually works within the body. So one thing I've heard about heard you speak about recently is especially with all the popularity of keto and uh, and kind of popular keto popular paleo these these popular versions of the diets um what's what's the problem that most people are making because uh, let's just take some example of someone who may have actually lost a lot of weight by kicking out all vegetables all sugar and all they're doing is eating meat now what's the problem with that yeah the carnivore diet well, uh, I, get a, I get a kick out of these sorts of diets. Uh, the carnivore diet works because, quite frankly, you've eliminated all lectin-containing foods. Mm -hmm. uh, just like the original Adkins diet, which, I mean, come on, folks. The carnivore diet is an Adkins diet. Give the guy. Right. <laughs> he wasn't the inventor of that diet either. It was actually... Uh, developed as the drinking man's diet that I talk about in the book uh, by Mr. Samuelson. It's a great and name for drinking, a diet. <laughs> yeah, I know, the drinking man's diet. And it, believe it or not, this diet, and this is an aside, sold uh, literally two and a half million copies. And oh uh, this, was, this was the diet actually before Adkins. Adkins actually learned from this diet. Hmm. And uh, the... the was actually vilified by Harvard Medical School as a a, a murderous diet that he he was called a mass murderer by by Harvard Medical School. Wow. And the hilarious thing is that he actually lived to 96 years of age. He actually lived to see the 50th anniversary publication of, of his book, and uh, I, I guess he had the last word. So. Uh, with my first book years ago, uh, Dr. Gundry's Diet Evolution, I actually started with a, a very high protein uh, diet as the first part and then actually morphed to a much more plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. And people accused me of suckering people in this diet and then I was secretly turning them into plant eaters and, you know, how dare I do that? It sounds like a but good what, plan. <laughs> but what happens is protein Digesting protein is really energy expensive. We lose about 30% of the calories in protein just in breaking it down. And as I talk about in the longevity paradox, heat is clearly our enemy you know, long term. Now, if we want to lose weight, heat is, heat is great. And, you know, check, kicking up thermogenesis is a wonderful way to lose weight. And there's, you know, it, people all of a sudden say, oh, my gosh, the carnivore diet, you know, you, you lose all this weight. Well, you know, I'm sorry. This has been known for well over 50 years. This is not new information. And suddenly it's new information. Right. This will make you lose weight. Plus, you are eliminating lectins. And I'm 
personally think that that it's the ultimate elimination diet. You just you know eliminate all plant material, and most of the lectins are going to be in plants. In fact, humorously, my my first book was bought by Random House, and Random House had done all the South Beach books mm -hmm. and all the Atkins books. And so when I'm meeting with my editor, uh, the, the actual diet that they bought is the diet in The Plant Paradox. And my editor said, uh, well, so you're going to rework this because in phase two, we're going to introduce healthy grains and beans. And I go, well, no, we're not. And she <laughs> said, well, yeah, we are. And, and here's why. Yeah, because everybody knows how healthy grains and beans are. And I said, wait a minute, you don't understand. When, when Adkins and the South Beach in phase two reintroduce you know, healthy grains and healthy beans. And a huge number of people started to gain weight. Mm -hmm. And what did they do? Oh, well, go back to phase one, where we take these things away. And I said, don't you get it? That's what caused the weight gain. You know, I you know, grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and any farm boy knows to make an animal gain weight, you give them grains and beans. That's how you do it. And as I show in the plant paradox and the longevity paradox, this actually promotes weight gain by inflammation. So they said, no, we're selling books here and you read your contract. We get to tell, you know, we get to say uh, what's going in there. Yeah. Welcome uh, to book publishing, right? Call it Dr. Gundry's <laughs> Diet Evolution because yeah, yeah, I didn't know these things then. So actually when, when the plant paradox came out, uh, and Harper Collins bid for the uh, for the rights. The first thing I said, I said, "You're not touching. You know what are the good foods and the bad foods?" Mm -hmm. And they said, "Oh no, we love this. This is so crazy. You know, we love this." <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it helps to be crazy. Sometimes it does. But this also brings up another good point that um, oftentimes diets, and I don't want to say diets as much as dietary changes don't work because of what you're eating, but what you're not eating. And that's so important for people to internalize because that's what will save your life. Even not knowing what's, what's ahead in the 5, 10, 20 decades, all the, head, the, all the years that are ahead of us, we're going to have to learn how to navigate and it's more important, I, I would say, to, to know what not to eat than even what to eat. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the first principle in the plant paradox and in the longevity paradox. And that is, you know, what I tell you not to eat is far more important than what I tell you to eat. Uh, I, I quote really one of the great nutritionists and actually, you know, one of the great fitness experts of all time. He, he literally invented fitness in America. And uh, I got to know him in his later years. And, you know, if it tastes good, spit it out. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I, you know, what he, what he meant by that is we really should be eating not for our taste buds, but for actually our gut microbiome. Yeah. And, and again, he was so far ahead of his time that if, if we eat for them and they actually constitute 
almost all the genetic material in us. They constitute 90% of all the cells within us. 99% of the genes within us are bacterial, viral, protozoa, not human genes. So why wouldn't we, you know, eat for them? Yeah, and it, uh, this is kind of a random question, but since since medicine and and science tries to quantify everything, like how how much out of a hundred do we actually know? One one hundred percent. Like how much can we say this is truth, and we need to do this specific thing for our bodies as opposed to, you know, a more general rule, which is we need to feed our our body as an ecosystem. The gut bacteria, like you said, we need to follow the cues of our gut intuition. Right, because we actually do get cues from our bodies. Can you tell us a little bit how, how we can maybe hone in on that that more intuitive way of eating that might be uh, informed by your your bacteria? Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I think women are actually this gut sense that women have. I think is actually real, and mm -hmm. uh, the more we look at the interaction of the microbiome with the wall of our gut and also with the gut-brain connection, mm -hmm. uh, the more women are, they do have a, a gut sense of what's going on. And I, and I talk about the lining of our gut is actually our sixth sense. Mm -hmm. And the information that is passed between the gut microbiome and the wall of our gut and the immune system and the nerve cells that are lining the gut, this is the next frontier. And we, I take care of a large number of women with autoimmune disease. Autoimmune disease is now about 70% of my practice, a heart surgeon. Wow. Uh, but I was a transplant immunologist uh, throughout my career. So I, I used to fool the immune system. And so when people started with autoimmune disease coming to see me, they'd say, what do you know about autoimmune disease? I said, I don't know anything about autoimmune disease, but I know how the immune system works, and mm -hmm. if you want to play, let's play. So it, it, it's amazing, again, women, and I, I preach this on my podcast, I preach this in my writings, women have this gut sense, and they know it's wrong. And one of the things I, I urge all people, all particularly women, make somebody listen to you. <laughs> um, uh, in fact, I, I just saw a, a woman yesterday who's 59, um, not from this area, flew in to see me, and we looked at all her labs. She has several markers of autoimmune disease, and she really, she burst out crying. She says, you mean I'm not crazy? And I said, no. no. No, you're not crazy. You know, this isn't, you know, in your head. You're feeling these things. Look, here are these markers. And no, you know, you're not crazy. And she spent her life, you know, going from doctor to doctor. Basically, all the basic labs told her, oh, you're healthy as a horse. Hmm. Uh, and she knew, you know, something was wrong. Uh, you know, had chronic fatigue all of her life. And, oh, you know, you're, it's all in your head. You're crazy. 
Well, that's pretty typical, isn't it? Isn't that what uh, most most people are told about <laughs> whatever they're, you know, I don't want to so- call it a self-diagnosis, but even if you're saying to yourself, you know, something's wrong. If, if um, you know, your doctor can't put a, a finger on the exact diagnosis that's in a book, then you don't have anything. Right. You, you don't <laughs> you have some unspecified thing or you have nothing and you're crazy. So if people are in that position right now and have been told that before, what, what's the best way to navigate their way out of that and, and toward healing? Well, so uh, as you know, uh, what's called functional medicine is, is definitely getting a toll, uh, toe hold. I have no idea what functional medicine means, and uh, I use the term restorative medicine, and my, I just like it better. Uh, mm-hmm. And just as an aside, you know, Hippocrates felt, and I write about this, that all of us have this, uh, the translation from Greek is kind of nerdy. It's green life force energy. It sounds very Californian. Yeah, it does. Uh, uh, that wants the creature to have perfect health. And there are external factors, Hippocrates postulated, that were preventing the expression of this green life force energy. And the physician was supposed to be a detective. And the physician was supposed to remove these external factors or teach the patient to remove these external factors. Mm -hmm. And then the patient would actually heal him or herself. And again, how this guy knew this, but Hippocrates was absolutely right. And I think whether we call it functional medicine or whether we call it restorative medicine, and Jeff Bland is an old, old friend of mine. Uh, I personally focus a great deal on food. I think there's a lot of plants who don't like us and uh, kind of fooling full circle around. The reason the carnivore diet gets good results uh, for a lot of people with autoimmune disease is not some magical, mystical property of meat. It's the fact that you've done a pretty impressive, uh, you know, elimination diet. You've gotten rid of all these plant guys. Now, once again, the meat thing, I just want to emphasize that again, because one one piece of your message is don't overeat meat. It's not necessarily in and of itself always bad, but there are certainly some that are. And and one thing I don't think a lot of listeners have heard before is especially uh, if they're buying organic free-range chicken, thinking that it's good for them. Could you just fill us in on a little bit why that might not be so? So second rule is you are what you eat, but you are what the thing you're eating Eight. Mm-hmm. And we we forget that up until literally 50 years ago, all of our cows ate grass and weeds. Uh, all of our chickens primarily ate bugs and so on and so forth. And all of our plants uh, long ago were grown in six feet of loam soil and the soil contained huge amounts of minerals and nutrients and the microbiome of the soil to absorb those nutrients. Well, now our soil is dead. Uh, so a plant could, a piece of lettuce could still look like a head of lettuce, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. A chicken can look exactly like a chicken, but if you feed a chicken mostly corn or soybeans, 
that chicken will not be a chicken anymore. It's basically an ear of corn with feathers. Now, how did I learn that? Well, I learned that from my page, who, and I wrote about one such woman. I've got several more uh, since that time, a woman, a psychologist in Los Angeles who had lupus, and she was on two immunosuppressant drugs, realized that that was not a good long-term option. Uh, as an aside, I tell patients with autoimmune diseases on immunosuppressant drugs that you do not have a heart or kidney transplant, so what are you doing on an immunosuppressant drug? Mm-hmm. So this woman wanted to get off, and, and we got her off. She said, you know, everything's great. I'm off all the meds, but I've got this little bit of eczema on my upper eyelids. So we go to and she's, no, 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 I'm not. You know, of course I wouldn't eat that. And we get to chicken. And I said, okay, now, you know, you're eating pastured chicken, right? And she said, oh, yeah, I'm eating organic free-range chicken. And, you know, my eyes go wide. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, organic free-range chickens are kept in a warehouse with 100,000 other chickens let outside. You can open the door for five minutes every 24 hours, and they have the potential to go outside. And they're fed organic corn and soybeans. That's not a pastured chicken, even though the labeling law says you can call it a free-range chicken. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, let's do an experiment. Stop your chicken. Call me back. A month goes by, she calls me back. She said, it's the chicken. My eczema's gone. Wow. And so I, I started actually reading some of the alternative literature. And there's this description that, you know, you are what you eat, but you are the thing you're eating. And these proteins uh, are incorporated into the meats of these animals. And it makes so much sense because, for instance, we know that lectins can be absorbed from the GI tract and go to joints. So we know that wheat germagglutinin, one of the worst lectins in the world, you don't even need a leaky gut for it to get through the wall of your gut. And it's a major cause of diabetes. It's a major cause of heart disease. So it's like, well, duh, of course these things are in these animals. And I have a number of women, particularly women. Women are, you know, they've got, that's, was their organic free-range chicken that was their culprit. Isn't that fascinating? And, you know, I read in your book as as well that uh, there was an, a hair analysis done. And uh, just in case anyone's doubting how much corn we're eating, whether we're eating corn itself or not. And it said in Europe, about 5 percent is is corn. Uh, but even Sanjay Gupta in the U.S., Americans came out at about 69 percent corn. Yeah, yeah, corn has a unique uh, carbon atom. It's called a C4 carbon. So you can actually trace where your the carbon and where a carbon-based life form came from. Yeah, and Americans are basically 70% carbon from corn. And what's really scary about that is we have to understand that Americans actually nobody ate corn until 500 years ago. It's it's one of the most modern foods that there is. And yet 70% of us is, is corn. Eh, pretty scary. But we're not corn because corn is healthy for us. In fact, it's quite the opposite, isn't it? We're, we're eating lots of corn because corn was one of those foods that actually is most successful in fattening us up, fattening cattle up, as is true with, with squash and some other foods that you, Neolithic new foods to us, right? 
right, are, are made to fatten us up. And that's why they're so successful. They're profitable and they make us fat. And that's why they're here. And, you know, and as you and I know, sadly, sickness is really good for business. Yeah. Uh, and w one of the things that shocked people when I resigned my position as chairman of heart surgery at Loma Linda was to put myself out of business. And, you know, that's that's really dumb. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not a good long-term long strategy. Right. Uh, and one of the things uh, that I like to remind people people out there, the, the great muckraker of the last century, who wrote The Jungle, which many people have heard about, there has this great quote. And uh, it's basically, it's, it's difficult to get a man to understand something if his salary depends upon him not understanding it. Yeah. And so uh, I think we, we have to understand, for instance, I, I I get uh, family practice residents who uh, rotate through my uh, through my clinic in their third year, and and to a person they get they've never been exposed uh, to this, and to a person they come to me and say, oh my gosh, you know this is why I went into medicine, you know this is what I want to do, uh, you know how do I do this? And so I said, well it's going to be difficult, and so they go back to their counselor, their professor. And the professor goes, well, you can't do that. You know, you, you've got to see patients every 10 minutes. And, you know, you've got to have 40, 50 patients a day to make a living. And you have $250,000, $300,000 of medical school debt. Mm -hmm. There is no way that you can spend an hour with a patient um, and make a living. So forget about it. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we're, everybody wants Medicare for all. I got news for you. Medicare is going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. um, and unless we change this whole paradigm, um, we're screwed. Yeah. But it's not it's not all doom and gloom because there are certain uh, things that you can do in your own way of eating and living that will get results quickly, even if it's just kicking out some of the worst foods. But, but one that, um, especially in the the keto paleo communities and some of the stuff that's just tearing up the internet right now. People don't uh, associate necessarily peanuts and cashews with foods that might be harming them. So let, let's talk about that just a little bit. So um, peanuts and cashews are new world plants. Um, nobody ate a peanut until 500 years ago. Nobody ate a cashew. The Amazonian Indians always throw the cashew nut away and eat the fruit because they know how dangerous it is. Believe it or not, cashew pickers get burns on their hands. Uh, cashew an ivy family and right. why anybody would want to eat poison ivy is fascinating to me. Uh, when, when, the, when the plant paradox came out, I was uh, doing a podcast, an interview in, uh, in uh, Santa Monica, California, uh, and uh, a young lady uh, working at this company listened to me, and they, they had me back a couple months later, and she walks over to me, and she says, you changed my life, and I said, how's that? And she said, well, I was eating so many cashews, cashew milk, cashew butter, I was... And I always had this kind of upset stomach, and my bowels were never right. And she said, I kept eating more because it's so healthy. Mm -hmm. And I heard you talk about cashews. So she said, I gave up cashews. 
And she says, within a couple days, you know, my bowel was was right. And she says, wow. I was eat, I was eating poison ivy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you were. <laughs> why? Why though? I've wondered this one. I think it's just a dirty trick. <laughs> why are peanuts and cashews so delicious if they're so bad for us? I mean. I mean, maybe, yeah, I love peanuts. Uh, you know, I went to medical school in Georgia. You know, it's a, it's a peanut <laughs> yeah. state, and, and you know, and I get I get some pushback from some of my critics about uh, the lectins in peanuts being so bad for you. And yet, three well-designed papers in monkeys, rhesus monkeys, red velvet monkeys, that show that the peanut lectin is a major cause of atherosclerosis. You take the peanut lectin out of peanut oil and repeat the experiment, you don't get atherosclerosis wow. after removing the peanut lectin. And I talk about this in the longevity paradox that lectins are, in my opinion and others, a major cause of atherosclerosis in humans. And uh, I have a paper coming up in May of this year for the vascular biology meeting of the American Heart Association. And I can't tell you all the details because it's embargoed, but basically I make a very strong case based on blood markers that lectins are a major cause of coronary artery disease and that when we remove lectins from humans, that the markers for developing coronary artery disease subside. Are, are there any other ones like that that stick out, like the organic chicken, maybe the peanuts or the cashews? Because there, there's a long list of foods that can hurt us that, that have lots of lectins or, or things that aren't necessarily good for us. But, you know, people coming to see you, are, are there, there must be themes of certain foods that are kind of quick win, wins to kick out, right? Yeah, well, I think I think the nightshade family is certainly way up there on uh, inflammatory foods, and unfortunately, they, well, uh, their potatoes, their potatoes, peppers, or even and and in general, peels and seeds uh, have the lectins in them, and when you look at traditional culture, traditionally gotten rid of the peels and seeds, the Southwest American Indians who were the original users of peppers, always char and de-seed their peppers before yeah. they either eat, eat them or grind them. Uh, I was in Sicily last fall interviewing chefs. Uh, Sicilian cuisine is heavily tomato-based. Yeah. And, we, and we forget the Italians actually didn't use tomatoes for 200 years after they were brought back by their native son, Columbus, because wow. they knew how poisonous they were. Mm -hmm. And to a chef, they all said, well, anybody knows that you have to take the peels and seeds off of tomatoes uh, to make them safe. And I go, well, how, how does everybody know that? They go, well, you know, my mother taught me and my grandmother taught her mm -hmm. and, and so on. In fact, just fun fact, the Roma tomato, you know, that kind of oblong tomato, that was bred by the Romans to have the most pulp to peel and seed ratio. And mm. what you what you do with a Roman tomato is you blanch it really quickly, cut it in half, pull the skin off, and squeeze out the seeds and throw it in the pot. So it was it was bred for efficiency in getting rid of the peel and seed. Uh, clever Italians. Yeah. And it, it just brings up one more thing that 
it seems, especially in the past few decades, like you said, my mother told me, my grandmother told, you know, and, and it was passed down. Those things, we, we've started to skip those steps, especially as industry has come in. And, and that's one of the reasons that some of these foods that otherwise might be edible, if they were prepared correctly, like the ancients may have, or even, you know, just our, our parents or grandparents' generation may have. Those are the things that are actually hurting us because even though it may look the same as the food that was prepared correctly the tomato sauce right may look the same same as that chicken may look quite similar but looks are, are very deceiving as far as our health is concerned and, and ignorance is not bliss um but one thing i want I, i'd love for you to speak about because you mentioned that our, our soil is dead or at least it's much more dead than it used to be so some people say why would you ever supplement that just seems like a huge scam and completely unnecessary and all of our food's fine and i'm fine too um why would that let's poke some holes in that thinking so um you know i used to think supplements made expensive urine i really did mm -hmm. um and and now I have a supplement company. So right. you know, you, number one, you you can't believe me. You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm a fish oil, a snake oil. So, <laughs> well, believe it or not, snake oil actually has the highest amount of DHA and EPA. You're of, kidding me. Any, no, <laughs> and it, it yeah, it's uh, it's actually true that at the turn of the last century. Snake oil became popular because it was a major treatment for rheumatism, arthritis. Huh. And so it got so popular that obviously uh, pretenders appeared in the scene snake oil that wasn't snake oil. So uh, when people accuse me of being a snake oil salesman, I say, thank you very much. It's an incredibly good product. So get, <laughs> getting back to supplements, our, you know, we can look at actually modern day hunter gatherers like the Hanzo, for instance, and they eat probably different species of plants on a rotating basis. They don't eat them continuously 365 days a year. They right. aren't in season. And all these plants are in, you know, six feet of loam soil and the animals also eating these plants. So if you think, even if you're eating an organic diet and you're doing the best you can with grass-fed, grass-finished, you know, beef or pasture poultry or wild fish, you don't have a chance of acquiring all of the polyphenols, all of the micronutrients that our ancestors did and, and currently do. Mm -hmm. So I've looked at uh, replacing very polyphenol humans, and published results about changing the stickiness on the inside of blood vessels. Mm -hmm. I've published results the flexibility of blood vessels, and I've taken these away from people and then shown that blood vessels get sticky and blood vessels get stiff, and then we reintroduce these things and show that the opposite occurs. This is in humans, and it's published in circulation in the American Heart Association Journal. So when people tell me that supplements make expensive urine, I just go, well, gee, you know, in humans, I can prove that it doesn't make expensive urine. And in fact, one of the fun things, we repeat large amounts of blood work on our patients. And I've gotten to the point, not only can I tell when they're not taking a supplement, but I can often tell when they're changing brands. Wow. Uh, and I'll go, 
know, you you changed your, you know, B12. Oh, yeah, you know, I had a sale, and, you know, I started taking this one. Well, well look, you know, your homocysteine's up, your vitamin B12 level's lower, and they, they go, you knew that? And I said, yeah, there it is right there. Wow. So um, there are just a handful, really, of kind of quick win um, supplements or, or at least nutrients and minerals that we're missing right now. What are the main ones in your mind? So uh, we're really, really deficient in vitamin D, D3. And I, I can't tell people how important vitamin D is to us. And this hormone is... For instance, in the longevity paradox, we know that people with the highest levels of vitamin D have the longest telomeres, those little caps on the end of chromosomes. Mm -hmm. And if you like the telomere theory of aging, then why wouldn't you want long caps on your, your telomeres? Mm -hmm. uh, so the higher the level of vitamin D, the longer your telomeres. Number two, almost every person who walks through my door with uh, autoimmune disease has a low vitamin D level. And I don't stop until I get their vitamin D levels 100 to 120 nanograms per milliliter. Vitamin D is essential to stimulate stem cell production in the lining of our gut. And I talk about that in the book. Mm -hmm. Lastly, the University of California, San Diego showed dramatically that most people with cancer have low levels of vitamin D. Wow. And in fact, their recommendations are that uh, the average American should be taking 9,600 international units a day to have an adequate level. Uh, and they, their evidence is that 1,000 international units a day, you cannot get vitamin D toxicity. I've run personally my vitamin D greater than 120 for the last 13 years to basically prove I'm not dead. So far, so good. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> Well, uh, we are getting close to time, Dr. Gundry. But before we go, I want to make sure that uh, you have time to talk a little bit more about your new book and where people can find you. Okay, so the new book, The Longevity <laughs> Paradox, How to Die Young at a Ripe Old Age. Uh, it's available wherever books are sold. Please visit your local bookseller. But it's on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, if you want to find me, uh, I'm at drgundry.com, gundrymd.com. Come to my podcast, the Dr. Gundry Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And I've got a YouTube channel, the Dr. Gundry YouTube channel, where I'm always doing something or cooking something. And I've got to say, I've uh, I've seen a lot of YouTube channels and a lot of podcasts, and there aren't many that I would watch or listen to myself. And I had a lot of fun going through yours. So anyone who's out there who needs another podcast to listen to or YouTube channel or anything like that, be sure to check out Dr. Gundry's work. Uh, it's uh, it's so very much needed right now. Dr. Gundry, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been an enjoyable hour with you. This episode is brought to you by Wild Superfoods. Let's start with a quick question. Do health supplements really work? After testing many hundreds of tonics, supplements, powders, and potions over the past seven plus years, my wife Allison and I have found very few companies that we actually trust. Massive, faceless corporations seem to be running the show, often prioritizing profits well above our collective health. Many supplements in stores and online are of extremely low quality, 
are ridiculously overpriced, and some don't even contain the active ingredient they're supposed to be selling. We all deserve much better. That's why my wife Allison and I created Wild Superfoods. We're a small family business and we take our own products daily because we think they're the best out there. Our Ultimate Daily Bundle provides you with a complete supplement regimen that you can trust to deliver maximum health benefits without the guesswork. Whether you're looking for Mega Omegas, Vitamin D Stack, Probiotic Spheres, or Future Greens, our cutting-edge supplements have you covered. And as a listener of Fat Burning Man, you can save over $80 on a one-time purchase or save over $128 when you select subscribe and save. All you have to do is head on over to wildsuperfoods.com. You can type it into your address bar right now to order your very own health-boosting goodies for a rocking listener discount for a limited time. And as always, if you don't love any of our products from Wild Superfoods, then you get your money back. So one more time, all you have to do to check it out is visit wildsuperfoods.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you there. Well, hey there, listener. This is Abel one more time, and I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode of The Fat-Burning Man Show. If you liked it, don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you might be listening to or watching this show right now. And if you have a second, please leave me a quick review for The Fat-Burning Man Show. I read every single one of them, and every time you leave a review, it gives us a little boost in the rankings, and that helps other people find this show. And if you can think of someone else who might enjoy and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or a family member. And if they're like, what is this fat-burning man thing? That's a really silly name. You could be like, you're right, but here's the deal. We've recorded over 250 episodes of the Fat-Burning Man Show with thought leaders in health from all over the world. And so far, we've won four awards, hitting number one in health in more than eight countries internationally. We have more than 30 million downloads already, but we're just getting started. I can't believe any of this, by the way, and, and couldn't do any of this without you. So thanks once again. But here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode of the Fat-Burning Man Show for free with zero outside advertisements, no outside sponsors, and no corporate overlords. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. We'll give you a, a second here just to type it in, fatburningman.com. And you'll get all the show notes, transcripts, and video and audio versions for all the past episodes of the Fat-Burning Man Show for free. Better yet, Enter your email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide so you can take your health into your own hands right now, along with a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now, enter your best email to get your free goodies with a bonus surprise straight to your inbox. This is Abel James signing off. Thank you so much for listening once again and have a great week.